you know, I said the other day on Twitter, I, I suspect the next time we'll see him try to play a tour event is next year's Masters. The voice there of Dr. Bill Mallon. You'll be hearing more from him later on. But Tiger Woods, Tiger, Tiger, Tiger Woods, what is going on? Another procedure. Is this the end of the 15-time major champion's career? We'll be discussing that on today's episode of the Bunkered Podcast in association with Callaway. Hello there, Michael McEwen here hosting back in my usual seat. Oh no, I was here last week. Yeah, move That's on. right. Yeah. <laughs> Edit this. Whoops. <laughs> a big episode coming up. Lots to discuss. Obviously, Tiger, etc. But I wouldn't do it alone. Bryce Ritchie, Bunkered Editor. How are you doing? I'm good. Good thank weekend? You have, thank you for having me. You're very yeah. welcome. Yeah, good weekend. It's funny. I'm going to just jump in quickly because I was getting some grief on social media, presumably. I can't remember where. And it was somebody pointing out the fact that I've stopped talking about football with you. Oh, quite so yeah, much. yeah, 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 yeah. Like, hey, what's that about? <laughs> for, the life of me, for the life of me, I can't remember his name. I'm, I'm sure it was something Bahoy and it had 1888 <laughs> in, his, in his handle. But just, just to show him above all that, Bryce, what did you do on Saturday afternoon? Screamed abuse at officials. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, so a, a one-all draw with Motherwell dropped points. Yeah, it wasn't great. We were howling, to be quite honest. We were very, very poor. Okay, let's move on with yeah. the show then. <laughs> All right, okay. No, that's fine. Let's do that. Yes. Put it this way. If I've stopped talking about football... There's a reason for draw that. Draw your own conclusions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah? That's fine. I'm good with that. Things aren't great. Anyway, congratulations no. on your hard won point. Thank you. Anything else you got up to over the weekend of any note before we move uh, on? Huge news because we've discussed this in the podcast before and I know a lot of readers are going to be... Listeners. That's correct. I'm just so used to saying readers, sorry. I'm going to be keen to know the developments, but I cut my grass on Friday and I put on my special seed. You did it. I it's did it. Lane. It's Laid? Lane. Laid. Lane. Laid. Who cares? We can make up the words as we go along. No one's going to It's on the ground. It's on the ground. What the hell was that? I think it was somebody next door in the Pure Radio studio. Robin Galloway's just seen the score, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Back to grass. Yeah, so my garden stinks because this seed I'm putting on it is reeking. Really? Yeah, So, which means it works. It's got fertiliser it's got fertiliser, something, and it's disgusting. So I am, I'm very excited about the, the coming months, that what I can cultivate. And I'm sure... All of our readers slash listeners are beside themselves with excitement too, Bryce. Yeah, I'll share some updates on social when uh, the grass is there because at the moment it's just moss. <laughs> and then, of course, I cut the grass, filled the brown bin, put the brown, brown bin out and realised I hadn't stuck the sticker for my brown bin license on the bin. So you, have a, you have a brown bin license? Yeah, you can't. Brown bins are not free in Stirlingshire. You have to pay for them. What? So, uh, yeah, I didn't even take any of the grass away. So now I can't cut my grass for two weeks, so I've got nowhere to put it, unless I just set it in fire. Why would you... Uh, Look, let's, let's just move on. This I'm, is I'm not going to go there. Let's be Do you right. know where there's not moss? On my head? Augusta National Golf Club. Oh, yeah, they don't have that. I had a very close inspection of it when I was there playing it a couple of weeks ago. Two weeks past the day. Right, let's move on. This is the worst start to the pod. Uh, we've had the best pod ever, and now the worst start. Thank you, Callaway. Thanks for bringing up your grass, Bryce. I appreciate that. Let's go straight to Tiger then. Let's cut the nonsense. Tiger Woods. Well then, I've got some notes here. I'm not going to read out what it says, but effectively the the prompt is, is this it for Tiger Woods? He had another 
operation last week. I'm, I've lost count of how many operations he's had in his professional career, but we're in the teens, high teens, I think, possibly. Oh, it's more point. than that. It's, it's in the 20s. Is it really? Yes. There's, there's a, I'll try and, I've tried to find this site, but there's, he was having surgery when he, when he's, when he was in his late teens. Mm, so he's had another procedure last week in New York, a subtalar fusion, which <laughs> I'm going to leave it to Dr. Mallon to explain because I recorded an interview with him last week. I'll let him explain what that means shortly because I'll just make a complete hash of it. But bottom line, Bryce, is that this isn't even the first fusion procedure that Tiger's had. Fusion, by definition, restricts movement. It's not something you necessarily want to have. He's now had it in his back. He's now got it in his right foot. He's 47 years old. He's half metal at this point in time. Worrying, I think, would be the initial reaction to that news last week. I think we were all quite surprised because it, it, it appeared that he'd had all the work done. And it was a process of recovery, but but clearly not. I my, my initial reaction, I'll I'll be honest, was like, this is this is it. It surely has to be. I think we're well aware. I don't want to spoil the interview, but I, if it was on the other foot, there's big discussions about his career. It wasn't on the other foot; it's on the right foot. So, so it's slightly moot, but even so, it shows even the so. severity of the the procedure that he's undergone. Yeah, um, the seriousness, I should say. I mean, you would largely think that that this year's out. I'm not a doctor. But well, let's hear from someone who is then, shall yeah. we? And we'll, we'll cut back. Dr. Bill Mallon used to play on the PGA Tour way back in the 70s, early 80s, and he left the tour to become an orthopaedic surgeon. Put it this way, when it comes to knowing what these types of procedures mean to a golfer competing at that level, there's really nobody better place to speak. So here's an interview I recorded with Dr. Mallon last week. Dr. Mallon, welcome to the Bunker Podcast. Well, thank you for having me on. Well, thank you for your time. It is much appreciated. We'll dive into Tiger and the the, the foot surgery that he's undergone last week in, in a minute or two. But you are coming at this from quite a, a unique position. Not only do you have your, your doctor's hat on, you can also put a, a golf baseball cap on because you played on tour. Perhaps you could start by telling us a little bit about your your own tour career, when that was, the highlights of it, to give people some context. Well, the highlights won't take me very long. But, uh, <laughs> I, I played on tour. I got my card in 75. Technically, I, I played two tournaments in 75 after Q school, and then I played 76, 78, and 9. And I, I did fairly well in 70. I mean, I did reasonably well in 76 and 7. I was in the top 100 money winners, and I made about 30 cuts. And then I really just lost my game. I got the driver yips. I, I just couldn't keep it in the fairway. And um, I barely made any cuts the last two years and dropped off uh, after 79 and went back to school to go to medical school. So you went to Duke, and if I'm right in saying you, you graduated there as an MD back in 1984. Tell us what happened next. So, well, really, why why medicine? What Was that always a, a passion of yours? No, I, I, I just never thought about being a doctor. I, I, um, I, I went to college to become a professional golfer. I wanted to play on the PGA Tour. and uh, But I was pretty good in science. I majored in math and physics. And um, when I left the tour, you know, my wife and I were talking and we decided that it would be a good idea if we made some money some way so we could eat. Um, and I had to get another job. And we looked into a couple different options. And 
said, well, you know, I, I knew I was good in science. Why don't I go back to medical school and become a doctor? And uh, I, I talked to some doctors that had operated on me and watched them do some surgery. And uh, I had to go back to school for a year to take some pre-med courses because I, I, I had plenty of math and physics, but I didn't have any biology or even organic chemistry. And um, somehow or another, a couple schools actually accepted me and I got into medical school and uh, became an orthopedic surgeon. So for people who are maybe coming to this, I'm not entirely sure what you mean by orthopedic surgeon. What, what are we talking about specifically? What's your areas of, of expertise? Well, orthopedic surgeon, mostly bones and joints more than anything else. And um, it's got to be a very big field. Um, and anymore, most of us subspecialize in something. Uh, in my case, I, I subspecialized in shoulder and elbow surgery and did mostly that. I did some hand surgery, so I sort of was an upper extremity uh, orthopedic surgery almost exclusively. But there's other subspecialties, sports medicine, uh, joint arthroplasty, the people who do hip and knee replacements, uh, hand surgery, uh, spine surgeons, um, foot and ankle surgeons. Um, there's a few others, too. So... Here's a question. Have you ever operated on a golfer, a professional golfer? Uh, yes. Um, I've operated on a, a couple professional golfers, and I saw I saw more than I operated on. I had guys from the PGA Tour and what is now the Corn Ferry Tour. Back then, I think it was the Nike or the Hogan or Web.com Tour. Came to see me for a second opinion sometime. I only operated on a few of them, but I gave them the second opinion. Sometimes they, I thought they didn't need surgery. Sometimes I thought they did, and they went back to their other surgeon. They just wanted some confirmation. So, um, yeah, I, I saw um, professional players uh, occasionally. So let's let's look at Tiger Woods then. Obviously, a man who is perhaps as familiar with operating theatre as you are at this point, Doctor Mallon. He's been in there a number of times for a number of different procedures throughout his professional career. This most recent surgery, I feel like it caught a lot of people by surprise. We all saw the, the physical discomfort he was in at Augusta National just a couple of weeks ago, but he had been suffering from plantar fasciitis. And I think when people discovered through that statement that he'd gone in for a procedure, it seemed to come a little bit out of left field. Subtalar fusion, what are we talking about there specifically? What What is that procedure and why is it done? Well, first of all, I wasn't that surprised that he had something done when I saw him limping at Augusta. When he had his accident in January 2021, um, it was January, it was January, February, something like that. Uh, he broke several bones in his foot, one of which was the talus, um, which I'll describe in a second. And the talus... Um, is renowned among orthopedic surgeons as one of the three bones in the body that we really worry about it healing because it doesn't have a very good blood supply. And when you fracture it or break it, you disrupt the blood supply a lot of times. And that can cause that if you disrupt the blood supply permanently, you will develop arthritis uh, around the talus at the joints around the talus. And, you know, watching Tiger limp in Augusta, I thought he was limping mostly from arthritis in his foot and ankle, that it was sort of post-traumatic arthritis. And um, they said it was plantar fasciitis is what they attributed it to, which is 
really more of an inflammation of a ligament on the bottom of the foot than arthritis. And he could have had that with arthritis. Uh, but I, when I saw him limping, I said, that's got to be arthritis from his original injury. So when he had the fusion, I, I wasn't really that surprised. Now, a subtalar fusion, the talus, the orthopedists talk about three parts of the foot, hind foot, mid foot, forefoot. And the hind foot is in the back, uh, you know, uh, and can really consists of two main bones, the um, calcaneus, um, which is your heel bone that you walk on that everybody feels. And above the calcaneus is another bone called the talus, uh, that's T-A-L-U-S, and that is the bone of the foot that forms the ankle joint with the two bones of the lower leg, the tibia and the fibula. Um, so we talk about a thing called the subtalar joint, is the joint between the talus and the calcaneus in the hind foot. Um, technically, it's called the talocalcaneal joint, but we, we almost always call it the subtalar joint. And Tiger apparently had developed post-traumatic arthritis, arthritis from the trauma he had in that joint. And um, they elected to fuse it because it was so arthritic, it was causing him pain. And... Um, you know, that's a procedure he underwent at um, a hospital in New York called HSS, which stands for Hospital for Special Surgery. Um, and again, it didn't surprise me that he had an operation um, for his arthritis, uh, given the original injury and the way he was walking and limping at Augusta. What are, what's the prognosis with a um, procedure like this? For example, perhaps you could talk us through a little bit of what that procedure involves. And then the sort of rest and recovery time, the next, I use the term advisedly, steps, if you will, in, in Tiger's recovery. Well, a fusion is where you take two bones that are adjacent to each other and connected by a joint between them, and you fuse the bones together, and that makes the joint go away. Basically, you cut away the joint effectively, and um, you take off the cartilage at the end of the bone, which in Tiger's case almost certainly was damaged. That's almost the definition of arthritis. And you expose uh, raw bone to each other and the two bones are, you know, once the bones are raw, bones bleed. Not a lot of people don't realize that, but they do. Once the, the two bones are exposed and you know, the raw surface are opposed to each other and they bleed, they will heal together and fuse into one bone which means that the joint goes away. So that joint no longer moves, uh, has any motion at all, assuming the fusion takes effect fully, which it usually does. And that's the procedure they did. Now, when they do that, uh, they usually support it with uh, some screws or sometimes a plate and screws to hold the joint together while it's fusing and while it's healing. And the operation is very, very successful uh, for relieving the pain from that joint. And I would expect that Tiger's pain from that joint will be uh, much uh, decreased or his situation improved. Now, the, the problem is, and the, the, the bigger situation is, this wasn't Tiger's only injury. He had multiple other fractures in the foot, apparently, and he probably has some arthritis at other ports, parts of the foot. And, and what you can't tell very, what, what I can't tell, certainly from not seeing him as a patient or, you know, examining him, is how much of his pain was coming from the subtalar joint alone. Even if you relieve 100% of the pain from the subtalar joint, if you have arthritis in other sections of the foot and ankle, you know, he could continue to have pain from that. Uh, the other thing that can happen is whenever you do a fusion, 
you lose motion at that joint fully because it, it's fused, it won't move. And for your foot or ankle or wherever the joint is to function, the motion has to be transferred to the adjacent joint. So they start moving in different ways than they normally did. And that, that alters what we call the biomechanics of the joint motion. So you're not walking normally anymore. You're putting stress on the other joints. And many times people will develop arthritis or pain in the adjacent joints to the fusion. That, that's very common with people who have a back fusion um, where they, they fuse two levels of the back together and it puts the stress on the levels above or below the fusion and then they develop pain there. And it's kind of a, you know, a, a vicious cycle where you fuse one joint, the pain goes to the next level, you fuse the next and it, it's a horrible situation if that starts happening. It's almost like creating one problem by fixing another. Is that a fair way of putting it? Yeah, I mean, you can develop one problem. Now, you don't always. Um, the, the subtalar joint, the good thing for Tiger is the subtalar joint doesn't have a lot of motion in it. It's not a joint that moves a heck of a lot. It doesn't move your, your foot and ankle up and down uh, very, not very much. It does a little bit. Um, it mostly moves it side to side, what we call inverting and everting the foot, kind of rolling onto the inside of the foot or rolling onto the outside of the foot. That's what the subtalar joint does. So he'll lose some of that motion for sure. The joints adjacent to it will take up some of that loss and they'll probably try to develop a little bit better motion. But again, that may cause him some pain um, as a result. The surgery recovery, it takes about three to, it takes about six weeks to three months, uh, six to 12 weeks for a fusion to fully take effect. And orthopedists uh, use a term uh, that we call getting sticky uh, when we're dealing with a fracture or a fusion. And by that, I mean, when mainly we use it with fractures, but it, the same thing works for the fusion. When, when the fracture is getting sticky, it's starting to heal together. So it's sort of getting stuck together now. And at that point, you're able to do more with it. You can put more weight on it. You can put more stress on it because the bone is healing and it's actually a good thing to put weight on it and to stress it once you get the thing sticky a little bit um, because uh, there's some a, a special biomechanics law I won't bore you with. But um, when you put stress on the bone, it actually responds by healing better and getting stronger. And so they will restrict Tiger's weight bearing for a little while um, after this fusion um, because the, the bones are not sticky yet. They're not healing together. He's only supported by the screws and the plate if he has one. And if you put too much stress on those early on, you can actually break the screws. So you have to be a little careful for a while. Once it gets sticky, you can then start putting weight on it. And that's going to occur somewhere between probably six weeks and three months, I would imagine. And he'll probably be immobilized or limited in some way for about three months. I think after that, he may be able to start full weight bearing without boots or casts or anything like that. But those are just estimates. It's really determined by what the x-rays look like and how it's healing at that point. So he's at least three months away from even getting to walk unaided in any way, either with a rolling stroller or a walker or a cast or a boot or anything like that. And then after that, he has to get to walk normally before I can really start hitting golf balls. So, you know, he's he's a ways away from playing golf at least. If you were, and I apologize, this is maybe an unfair hypothetical, but if you were Tigers 
consultant and you were laying out the the next six months to a year to him, what would you say to him in terms of, you know, if we do this operation, the likelihood is that you won't be able to play competitive golf for how long? To play competitive golf, probably nine months to a year. To play golf a little bit at the club with a cart and things like that, you could maybe start doing that at around six months, I would think. Again, this is assuming everything heals well, which it should. He's in great, he's in great health uh, overall with his fitness and everything. He may be able to get back to chipping and putting a little bit um, sometime after three months, but really maybe not taking full swings for another month or two after that. As his, as his surgeon, potentially, you would feel uncomfortable with the, the prospect of him attempting to play on the tour, for example, before before Christmas. Is, is, that, is that a fair way of putting it? That's about right. There may be a chance for him to get back. You know, December, there's a couple of those silly season events like the um, uh, the Tiger the Tiger Invitational out at Sherman Oaks that he, I think it's a two-day tournament. And then there's the father-son thing that he's played with Charlie Woods the last couple of years. Maybe he could get back for those. He could possibly take a cart there. I know he doesn't, he just said he doesn't want to take a cart. Uh, he could possibly play in those if everything goes well, but I, I think it's more reasonable. Um, you know, I said the other day on Twitter, I, I suspect the next time we'll see him try to play a tour event at next year's Masters. Yeah, given what you said, it sounds like that could well be the case. Is there, is there anything, I'm trying to spin the positives here, Dr. Allen, but is there anything to be said for the fact that this is a procedure that's happened on his right foot, Tiger's a right-handed golfer, would it have been worse or better if it was done on his left? Uh, it's much better that it's on his right foot than his left. Uh, matter of fact, this was his left foot. I'm not sure he'd ever play on tour again. Because your, your left foot has to have a little more motion. You roll over onto it uh, in the downswing, and as you get near impact and into your follow-through, and you're not only rolling into it, that's when the club is coming down at its highest speed, and you're putting the greatest amount of torque on your left foot. Your right foot really doesn't ever undergo the amount of stress and torque that your left ankle and foot do during a swing. In the backswing, it's pretty flat-footed, and on the downswing, you don't really roll over on it. You sort of come up on your toes uh, more than anything. So the fact that this is his right foot is a saving grace for his golf swing. However, the, the problem for you know a PGA Tour event, you got to walk. It's a five-mile walk every day for four days in a row unless you're playing on the live tour when it's three days in a row. <laughs> you know, I'm, ta I'm talking about real tournaments. <laughs> oh, we won't go there. <laughs> That's a whole other matter. The, I suppose the, the concerning thing as a, as a fan watching this unfold is that Tiger's had, as I've said at the start, a lot of other surgeries. Equally, though, it's not, this isn't even his first fusion surgery that he's had. How concerned should we be about his ability to even get back to playing on tour ever again? I really don't know the exact number of back surgeries he's had. I think it's either four or five. I, I think he had either three or four discectomies, and then he had a, a fusion. I suspect it was a one-level fusion. And uh, that's, that's a bad thing. You know, back problems are um, one of the worst things a golfer can have. And you add that on to his problems with his ankle and everything. Um, you, you know, Tiger's 
we're never going to see the Tiger Woods of 2000, 2001, 2002. You know, those three years, that might have been the greatest golf anyone has ever played in history. Um, I'm not sure. You know, everyone says, oh, Tiger's the greatest of all time. My, my own opinion is it's either Tiger, Jack Nicholas, or Ben Hogan. I really can't separate the three. But I, I will say that between 2000, 2002, that might be the greatest three-year span anyone ever had. And we're never going to see that again. I don't think we'll ever even see the Tiger of 2008 to 2013 or so. And, and my own opinion is I, I don't think he's ever going to win another tournament. You know, people on, on Twitter have said, you know, in response to me, well, this is Tiger Woods. He's so mentally tough. And I'm like, yeah, he's so mentally tough. He's also had five back surgery. He's got a, a foot fusion now and he's got other problems in his foot and, the other thing people tend to forget, he's 48 years old. He's not 28 anymore. And things don't heal as well at 48 as they did at 28. You don't recover as well at 48 as you did at 28. Um, so I, I really, I suspect, you know, he's got, he's won 82 PGA Tour events and um, 15 major championships. My, my suspicion is that's it. That's, that's what he's going to end up with. If we separate us as fans of Tiger for a second and you know, focus on you as a doctor specifically, at what point medically is your advice or should the advice to Tiger be, okay, medically speaking, now is the time to retire gracefully and not put your, yourself through any further procedures if you can avoid them? Have we reached that point or is that still some ways off? No, I don't think we've reached that point. You know, the nice thing about golf, uh, it's one of the few sports you can play for a lifetime and you can, you know, play it into your 80s and you can play it when you're not physically fit. I don't think Tiger is doing major damage to his body by continuing to try to play long term. You know, the problem for Tiger is that he's got expectations. He's Tiger Woods. He wants to play like the Tiger Woods of old. And it may be that he says you know, psychologically, I'm not prepared to play like someone who is happy to make the cut and finish 45th at the Masters or something like that. I, I would rather not do that. But physically, I think he can play and I don't think he's doing any long term harm to himself. But I, I think, you know, the question is, is Tiger willing to accept anything less than, you know, what we've come to expect of him? Yeah, it's funny you say that. I mean, there's that is the thing that gets thrown around quite a lot on social media. You'll have seen it yourself. People are saying, you know, Tiger, you're 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 still a father of two young children. You know, you're only going to do yourself longer term damage by continuing to 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 battle on. Think about the future. You think that at the moment he's okay future wise with the procedure he's gone through. Yeah, I think he's okay. You now, one other thing, Michael, that I that very few people know about me and I didn't do it on Twitter was in two, about 2000, there was, and this is talking about Tiger taking a cart and if he would be able to play with a cart, you know, he said he doesn't want to do that. Around 2000, there was a Supreme court decision in the United States dealing with a professional golfer named Casey Martin, who had a very bad congenital problem with his leg. And he sued to be able to play on the PGA tour with a cart. And in response to that, um, the PGA Tour, the LPGA, the Senior PGA Tour, and the USGA formed a committee of about 10 of us, which I was chairman of, which helped decide when players could 
be allowed to have a cart in competition. Now, almost all of the decisions that we made dealt with the USGA and qualifying for the USGA events, and the others were almost all on the senior tour. I, I really don't remember any other people who asked for a card on the regular PGA Tour or the LPGA when I did that. I did that for about 10 years. So I was involved in making those decisions about when people got carts, and we tended not to give them for people with just arthritis. And there's, there was a reason for that. Um, we we all read the uh, Supreme Court ruling in detail, and one of the things they said is this should be something that is rare. It's a disability, but it should be a rare disability. It shouldn't be something that everyone has. Well, everyone has arthritis to some degree or another as we get older. And however, in, in Tiger's case, if I was still doing that, again, I haven't done this since around 2010 or 11 or something. I, I stopped doing it then. In Tiger's case, he's got arthritis. So by that, we would say, well, that doesn't qualify. But he's also got other problems. You know, he's got the arthritis in his back. He's got the other arthritis he probably has in other places in his foot and ankle. So I suspect he would qualify if he wanted to get a cart. Um, however, Tiger has said, you know, he's an athlete. You know, he's always prided himself on being an athlete, being exceptionally fit. And he doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to have that appearance. So I think he would qualify for a card, but I, I doubt he'll take it. Very interesting. It's a point at which ego and the competitive fire that burns within collide, isn't it? And yeah, you make a very interesting point. Dr. Mallon, it's been such a, a pleasure and a privilege to hear you explain so articulately everything that Tiger's going through and what the, the next few weeks and months look like. Hopefully that answers a lot of our podcast listeners' questions. So thank you very much indeed for that, for your time. And Here's hoping we do see Tiger back out there at least once more to take a, a proper swan song, if nothing else. Well, I hope we, I hope we see him too. I, like, I, like I said, uh, if he's not the greatest golfer of all time, he's one of the three greatest, and uh, he's been great for the game of golf. And um, uh, Also, Michael, I really appreciate you having me on. It was fun. Yeah, thank you very much to Dr. Mallon. Very, very interesting stuff there indeed. A few big takeaways for me, Bryce. Number one, he doesn't think that this is necessarily the end for Tiger. He thinks he can return. Doesn't think he's ever going to win again. But as a doctor, he also says that he wouldn't be saying to him, this is it, it's time to retire. <sighs> a lot to take away from that, but I think for me, the the single biggest thing is how much more can Tiger endure mentally? We know that physically he can recover to whatever extent. He's going to have some restrictions and limitations, things he can't do as well as he used to. But mentally, this has to be taken a toll. How many times has this guy tried to come back from serious, serious procedures? Well, it just, just goes to show he can do it. You know, he's, he's proven that time and time again. There's nobody better than making comebacks than Tiger Woods. But there does come a point where you say, why? I, I said a few weeks ago, I do I think he'll ever win again. I think if he does win again, it'll be a major. And it'll be a case of stars aligning. Which could happen. I'm telling you right now, there's there's a half decent chance that he could compete at the Masters if he's fit, because he has the game, he has all that's required. I mean, look at him this year. He didn't embarrass himself this year by a by a long shot. Anything but anything but he he was he was decent for a guy that doesn't play a lot of golf, you know. So the Masters is the one where he could potentially have a chance, maybe an open, maybe. Fast running links might suit him. 
But I, I don't th- honestly don't think he's got a hope of winning a full field PGA Tour event. Now, we're not talking heroes and PNCs here. We're, we're talking full field, 140-odd players at a PGA Tour event. Not a chance. Not a chance. Look at the scoring. Look at the... Look at the amount of players in the field as much players as Players in else. the field, the numbers they're putting on. The way the PGA Tour events are changing now is that they're stacked. So the ones he'll play in will be the stacked ones. He's not going to play in fall series events that are the ones like that. Not that that exists by the yeah. time he comes back, but those events, he's not going to play in them. He's going to play in the big ones. And the harder they are, they're almost like, of they're like mini majors. If, 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 if he's, he's not been playing them, PGA, yeah, yeah. regular PGA Tour events out with the Genesis in February. So. So, so the chances of him coming back and playing any of those events are slim. But when he does, I don't think he's got hope. And then we're looking at majors. So we're looking at, really, his next chance to win an event is effectively the Masters. It's a long time away. And then he's not got any reps. He's constantly talked about reps. His entire career's always said that. And he's not going to get any of that. I think he should just call it. I I I don't want him to because um, it's the end of an era. When it's he the does. it's an end of an era when when he does. The guy shaped our sport. He's been the biggest. He's been the biggest name in the game since since the late eighties. And I I mean, those, no disrespect to Nick Faldo, Greg Norman, absolutely nothing like that. But. Only the only the late eighties. Yeah, biggest name. I think. Do you not think it goes a bit further back. Than well, that? you but you've got Nicholas. You know Nicholas. What? When did Nicholas win the Masters? Eighty six. You know that the guy Nicholas won what number eighteen? Then he's a pretty huge star. Since Nicholas has finished, Woods has been the next guy. So that appears to be coming to an end. We are going through a new cycle of golf, and it opens up other questions, which I'm sure we can go into if you want to, but. Who's next? Who is the next guy that's going to take on that mantle? Because I don't think we're ever going to see another player like that. Just just with the depth of talent in the game, I don't really think it's possible to get as, as close to that. You probably, probably the closest you would have got to that in the last 20 years is Phil Mickelson. Let's mm-hmm. be honest. And he got, what, how many majors? Six. Six. So I'm gutted if it ends. But I, I don't have high hopes. If you saw him at the if, at the open, he looked done in on a flat golf course. Yeah, you know St Andrews is probably the flattest golf course in the open rota, maybe with the exception of maybe Muirfield. It's not quite as roly poly. Genesis, I, I do, I do agree with you. I think that for me, I, I know I keep coming back to it. He missed a massive opportunity at St Andrews last year. That was yeah. for me the the time and the place to bid farewell. Certainly to being a a constant presence, if you like, because you can still come back and peg it up at the Masters because, you know, Nick Faldo did. Sandy Lyle has only just called it a day there. Ian Woosnam went on. But there comes a point when every player knows at the top, top level, I'm done. The difference is most of them don't actually say cheerio because they just migrate seamlessly into the Champions Tour. Tiger's not going to do that, and I would argue he also shouldn't because of how big a figure, how important a figure he has been. There was a start with Hello World, and there should be an end. Well, if you listen to what Nicholas said, and I, I was stunned by this, and I thought, is is that actually true? Because Woods has given no indication that he would play seniors tour golf his entire mm-hmm. career, but supposedly he told Nicholas he would. So, Which is stunning. 
I don't believe that. Can see why he might. Well, it gives him competitive juices, mm-hmm. which Tiger absolutely thrives on more than any other player in history. What else is Tiger Woods going to do? Yeah, that's it. He could go into the booth, and I think he would be great, but that would take away from some of the... It, that's almost taking a Nick Faldo side. I mean, he's been secretive. You know, remember all the things that Woods did, did that no other player did, creating this drama and aura which used to turn up at open championship venues at five o'clock in the morning and play in the dark yeah just because he didn't want anyone to see him practice he wanted to be on his own and, and it created a bit of a players would turn up and hear that tiger was playing at five in the morning and they're out practicing at three in the afternoon and things and you think who else does that tiger woods did that yeah he created an aura that made other players fearful of what he was going to produce so that's also a bit the, strange the, the greats, to walk into the booth. The greats don't go into the booth. Historically, Jack Nicholas didn't, Tom Watson didn't, Gary Player probably would have loved to. But, you know, Nick Faldo is probably the highest profile, most successful yeah. player I can think well, of. Well, Nor- Norman move. tried it and it didn't work. Norman tried, but I mean, with respect, two majors. Yeah. Paul Azinger, Trevor Immelman, major champions, yes. Yeah. Great players, yes. The greats, no. It's the same in other sports. Look at tennis, Tim Henman. Never won a Grand Slam. He's the co-commentator at Wimbledon in the UK. But then there's Roger there's, Federer. There's no chat of him doing that. Yeah. In football, did Pele become a co-commentator? Did Diego Maradona? And it's the thing. He's he said repeatedly. You know, he doesn't turn up just to take part. He turns up because he thinks he can win. Mm-hmm. He said that repeatedly, time and time again. If I'm if if I'm turning up, it's because I think I can win. I don't believe for a minute if he comes back next year at the Masters that he thinks he can win. Genuinely, there's no way he can, and it's almost disrespectful to his peers, if you can call them peers, that, think that, that he thinks he can turn up and beat them. Yeah, I mean, if you're Justin Thomas, no matter g- how much of a relationship uh-huh. and respect you've got for Tiger, as a competitor, to hear Tiger Woods, half man, half metal, say, I can win this, you must think, no, you not no, a you, chance. No, you don't. I, I, I do think we're at a point where it's time, but it's not our decision, it's his. And, oh, of course, and yeah. he he will keep going until he physically cannot keep going, and maybe we just haven't reached that point yet. That point might come next year. I really hope it doesn't get to that point though, because I don't want to, it's it's bad enough just now. I don't want to see it get worse. Seeing Tiger limping around and having to withdraw from tournaments, he's getting close to John Daly in terms of the, the number of tournaments he's withdrawn from. He's just not physically able to compete. Mm-hmm. He might think he's capable. But thinking you are and actually being physically able to do it. Whole That's other the thing, thing about Genesis. Genesis, he, he, he played some decent stuff, but physically he didn't look that strong. He played his best golf on the first day. Yeah, and then he got tired, mm-hmm. and then it didn't work. And then he hurt. And he's practising with a buggy, which doesn't see anything positive really. And then he turns up at the Masters and he looked ruined. So physically he's not he's not in the position to play to play golf at that level. And I don't see... I just don't see the point. So for me, the question then is, is he damaging his legacy by labouring on? Because that's he's not he's not competing, he's labouring. No, not, not at all. It's not damaging his legacy. It's just sad to see, but I don't think, in terms of damaging his legacy, no. Not at all. Nobody will look back at Tiger Woods' uh, career and think, well, oh, it's just a bit, you know, he's not quite what he was. And it just fizzled it's, out. It's just fizzled out. It, people know what's going on. They will remember that legacy forever. You've got to know when to quit, though, don't you? I've used his name a couple of minutes ago. Roger Federer retired last year from the ATP Tour because he knew it was time. Everybody knows when it's time. It's like Ronaldo. 
footballer, Ronaldo, just what are you doing? Cristiano. Yeah, just stop. Look at what you did in your career. You don't need to be doing that. And he, he ha- there's a guy who has damaged his legacy because of what he's done. You know, he's not looked on favourably now. You you look on three, go back three, four years on social media, people worship Ronaldo. Ah, so the question then is when does Tiger start damaging his legacy? But I'd, I'd, I think golfers are different. He's not at that. He's not doing anything. He's not in a money grab. Not that he needs it. It's just different. So I don't think he's damaged. Like I think people are just saddened to see what it is. I think he should just call it. Mm-hmm. But I, the I other thing is, what he's only what he, what age will he be when he comes to the Masters next 48. year? Forty eight, and then he'll be at Troon. He'll be forty eight at Troon. It's Troon next year, isn't it? Correct. Yep. Forty eight Troon. Yeah, nothing like the hundred and fiftieth at St Andrews. I keep coming back to it. I've been blasted for saying it. Monty Montgomery said it on our podcast before Christmas. He then got rounded on people saying you can't say that Tiger should retire. Actually. Actually, you can. It's not necessarily a slight on Tiger. It's just father time. The one guy he's not ever going to be able to beat, unfortunately. Anyway, loads more to come on this week's episode of the Bunkered Podcast. Do not go anywhere. All golfers can agree, hitting it far feels great. But does it feel great? A first in forging has created irons that have never felt better. Paradigm was precisely constructed with the first ever AI-designed forged 455 face cup and an all-new speed frame to enhance speed and feel, earning 15 out of 15 stars from the Golf Digest hot list. This is the new Paradigm in performance from Callaway. Welcome back. Part two of the Bunkered podcast in association with Callaway. Michael and Bryce here Thanks again to Dr. Mallon for his time. I thought that was really interesting. Right now on Bunker.co.uk, you can enter three fantastic competitions. Lots to give away. We've got a Golfstream Vision electric trolley. Bryce, at your age, at your level, you need an electric trolley, don't you? they're, They're worth their weight in gold, frankly, these things. So you can enter to win that. You can also win a brand new wardrobe, courtesy of our friends at Vice Golf. Again, Bryce, something you could be doing with. <laughs> this is a fetching number I you knew got that on was today. Coming. I wish I people could coming. see this. Shut it. And finally, we're giving away a Wilson Golf Dynapower driver as well. If you've not heard about the new Dynapowers from Wilson, my God, you need to go and check them out on our YouTube channel and on our website. The amount of money, R&D, investment, that Wilson have put into this driver is significant and the results are huge. So you can win all that stuff right now at bunkered.co.uk forward slash competitions. They're all free to enter. They'll all take you a couple of minutes to stick your name in the hat. Highly suggest you get involved. Mr. Ritchie, live golf. Yes. How many times have we said that now in the last 133 episodes? Yeah, we're probably not. For the next 133, I think we'll probably keep doing it. <laughs> what would you like to know? Adelaide. Live Golf Adelaide. Took place over the weekend. Taylor Gooch, the champion. Credit where it's due, I think. That looked like a golf tournament. Huge crowds, excitement, drama. I'm just sad it took place during the middle of the night when I wasn't able to watch it. Yeah. Uh, no great crowds. You can't, you can't see anything else. They, they, they are starved of big golf tournaments in Australia so it's uh, I noticed a few people saying on social and they're absolutely bang on like the European tours tried to venture there in recent years 
well, maybe not recent years, but they have delved into that um, market for a while. But they've not taken the big names with them with no. absolute respect to the guys that have played. Yeah, and it's a market that the PGA Tour sort of kind of ignored. Yeah, it doesn't care. So it's a long way to go for something, but what a success. You, you, you just have to hold your hands up and say, that was a success. They got great numbers. And the one thing, I mean, there's all sorts of things in the background which we'll get into, but you've got to you've got to say it's not failing the way people said it would fail. It's doing really well. I thought it looked awesome. Again, I'm only going by the coverage I was able to see because of the time difference, but I thought it looked great. Great energy. It was everything that Liv says it's trying to be. Noisy, boisterous, huge crowds, excitement, drama. They probably... The people that live won't like this, but probably for the first time, they got it right. They absolutely nailed it. So this is what, event number 12 or something like that. If that's the blueprint going forward, it could be really successful. The trouble is, they're going to Singapore this week, right off the back of that. Don't think we should be expecting a repeat trick. That's what they'll want, but they're not going to get the same crowds. Adelaide sold out weeks, if not months ago. There's no suggestion that Singapore is going to do the same. Different market, not as starved in terms of golf, just not the same. So it's tricky. It's so easy to say that's what they need to do. Yeah, just this, keep this, doing this that. Is it's a, not as straightforward. No, but this is a big year and that that is what they want. So if they don't get that again, there, there will be questions asked as to what they're putting on because this is what they're all saying the same PR line that they want to be different. They want this atmosphere. That, you know, Greg Norman talked about the youth element that's coming to the gate, the the tournaments. And you look at that, and there were a lot of young guys that were my age, and I do put myself <laughs> in the young me. bracket. Sorry, what? Again? You heard? What? You heard? You know, a lot of guys are twenty eight. <laughs> you know, enjoy the golf. Do you remember those days? <laughs> yeah, God, that's almost two decades ago for you. But that is that's true, actually. But that. You can't deny that that the the that's the market they're going for. I'm always a little bit. I'm not a big fan of all that stuff. I I don't mind it every now and then. Like I've got no issue with waste management. I think it's great. It's one event a year. It, it's a good laugh. Do I want to see that every week? Nah, not really. I like my I like my boisterous crowds, but I'm not an old traditionalist by any means. You're but, somewhere in between the two. Yeah, but I I I want serious golf and I want competitive an element of competitive golf that's taken seriously because that's what I enjoy. I think most people enjoy that. What you've got to understand is it appears that Liv couldn't care less about that. They genuinely don't because all the players were on the same wavelength. They were, you know, talking up this fun element and and the noise and, you know, hitting shots that were, you know, music playing and getting the crowd going and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, that that's just what they're into. That's what they're trying to create. They're trying to create a new audience. Now, if you sat my wee boy down and, and got him to watch that compared to the back nine at the Barbersold, then he's probably going to watch Live. Mm -hmm. And I get I get all that. It's just not for me. And some of it just seems a bit forced. Such as, you know, DJs and <sighs> drinking a shoe and stuff. It's well, that's an Australian little, tradition, that no, isn't it? But it's a bit. I was just. I'm a bit. Uh, it's a bit cringe. I do know what you're what you're getting at. For example, the the commentary continues to be absolutely turgid. I don't think it's doing live any favors. It's it not. Never has done. It's not. 
you know, when they're saying after Chase Kepka had his hole in one, which we'll come to in a second, you know, it's one of the great moments in live history. That history is nine months old. Yeah. Chill out. You know, know, stop trying to make it something it's not. That was a, like, objectively, that was a really, really cool scene. Just it let didn't it, need just, to be yeah, hyped beyond that. Just let it breathe. Exactly. It was, like, it was like a great, great piece of uh, entertainment. Just let it happen. And, and it, I'm stuck in two minds when you're saying about it not being competitive. I know where you're coming from because it's the same players every week. There's no jeopardy, as we've discussed before, in terms of a cut. And then you've got guys like, I uh, don't want to pound on him, but, you know, Siwan Kim, for example, he's, he could finish last in every event this season. He didn't finish last in Adelaide, by the way. He was second last. So, progress. He could theoretically finish last in every event this season and pocket over $2 million. $2.8 million. I mean, that's crazy. That, that's there's, rewarding failure, which uh, golf doesn't tend to do. It doesn't best. tend to do. And, and these guys are all invited. They have not qualified. It's There's a whole thing about... <laughs> There's not a lot of chat about the scoring. There's not a lot of chat about streaks. There's not a lot of chat about, you know, putting streaks. And it's just, it's not what I'm used to. And that, that's fine. They're going after a market that's not me, clearly. What I would say is it's got more of an identity this year because they're leaning more heavily into the team element. The fact that everyone's wearing the, the same branded outfits. You know, it's it's not like... Westwood looks different to Poulter. They look the same, and it's the same in the, like, the range goats and crushers. It's the things that I laughed at a little bit last year, like, oh God, crushers, what a name. I'm now identifying a little bit more with it. Still not totally sure it's for me, but I understand it a bit better now as time goes on. I'm wondering if that's the same for other people. Maybe. Which team won? No idea. The four aces. Again, they continue to do what the four aces do, finishing ahead of the range goats and Stinger. <laughs> it's funny. I, I, I really Smith? like the range goats How, branding. How's Cam Smith going? He was fourth on fifteen under, which was four shots back of Taylor Gooch. So, seems like it's got a little bit of momentum off the back of that. But momentum is only as good as your next event, isn't it? So we'll see how they got on in Singapore. Chase Kepka's hole in one. Lots of chat about that at the party hall. Wonder, wonder where they get that idea from. Well, eh? yeah. But it worked. It was cool. And it was everywhere on social media yesterday. That's the point, is it not? Absolutely. Uh, you know what? So what? I, I think waste management is great. I do look forward to that event. I think it's different. And I thought the party hall was uh, pretty good. We knew, we knew it was coming because people had seen, people had gone on site and said, this is what they're doing. Fair play to them. I think that it probably will not be the last time they do that. No. They'll probably have that at every event now. Why not? Uh, so fair play. There was a bit of a double standard, I thought. I'm just going to call it out on social media with people saying, oh, well, they're just copying the 16th at TPC Scottsdale. If you want to talk about copying blueprints, look at what the PGA yes. Tour has done with its uh -huh. designated events and guaranteed money and no-cut events, yeah. etc. Greg Norman says that there's an incredible list of players who want to join Live. An incredible list of players. They're set with the 48 they've got, but apparently there's plenty more knocking on the door. Do you believe him? There's probably good reason to believe him. You know, I don't think it's in his interest to just spout nonsense. Because if you if you believe the rumours, he's, he's job's on a shaky peg. But this is the, it's probably the same people that criticised that. It would be the same people that said Norman was getting sacked six weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't. And he wasn't. And he's there, and he's on the stage, and he has delivered 
a hometown event for Liv that was a massive success. So it's not in his interest to make stuff up. And he can't obviously name players. I just... There's still that thing about Liv that guys have given up the opportunity to be hugely competitive on the biggest tour in the world and have effectively waved goodbye to the opportunity to play in major championships. I'm not talking about Brooks Koepka's and Mickelson's. I'm talking about Harold Varner's and people like that. Bernd Wiesberger. Um, it still blows my mind. Like when you grow up to be a golfer, you think, "What? What do you want to do with your life? You could, you could, you could have a chance to win the claret jug. You could, you know, even play for a green jacket." But it just goes to show that some people are not motivated by that. They would rather have guaranteed twelve million in the bank than have the opportunity to win a green jacket. And if that doesn't happen, you've got to grasp and graft to try and get that opportunity again. Some guys just don't want that. They'll just take the money. Do you think there's any truth, though, in the fact that they want to be part of something new, different, and be in at the ground floor, be part of it? I mean, it can't just... Surely it can't just be a case of, I'm only in it for the cash. On some level, they may, must want may, something else. Maybe. I would suspect that... Put it this way. I've spoken to people who are behind the scenes. So have you, much more than I have. People who are beside, behind the scenes at live, who are directly behind the scenes at live, they are passionate about what they're trying to deliver. They come across as very genuine about what they're trying to deliver. This is a long-term project, mm -hmm. and it's completely different. I'm not saying when I listen to them, I think I buy into everything they say, and I've disagreed with some of the people at live that have told me things behind the scenes, completely off the record. But I can imagine when they're sitting with tour players and they're going through the process and they tell them a lot more ins than the uh, um, details about it than I would get. I, I imagine, I'm not saying they're inspired by it, but they probably get a little bit of, yeah, I might be quite interested in that. Because like they, they'll, they'll have been told about the five-year plan, everything they're trying to take forward, the whole franchising, the growth. And I buy into that. And I'm sure some players do buy into that, but they're going to need a t they're going to need to be on TV. Now, you look at that Adelaide. You just look at some of the stuff that they were showing, some of the crowd, some of the players, the atmosphere it generated, also the time that it took to broadcast that, and you compare that to DP World. If you're a TV exec, which one are you putting mm, your investment very in? Very true. Yeah, I get it. D I'm not denouncing DP World Tour in any way possible. I still love the DP World Tour. I think it deserves more and should have more. But if you're a TV exec and you're interested in money and you're interested in ratings and you're interested in maybe getting more in your channel and not having to dedicate 12 hours a day to it, you're, you've got some inner thinking to do. Another huge event that took place over the weekend, arguably the biggest one of the lot, the Chevron Championship, the first women's major of the year. Congratulations to Lilia Vu, the First time major champion, she held off Angel Yin in a playoff to win her very first major, second title of the season. So perhaps we should have seen this coming. She won the Honda LPGA Thailand at the end of February. What did you make of the, the Chevron Bryce? Because it was a different, very different event this year. New identity, new sponsor, new logo, new place in the schedule. Used to take place the week before the Masters. We had the famous leap into Poppy's Pond. It had some identity this year. A transition year for the event? Yeah, I think so. I'll get 
shit for this and I don't really care, but I thought it was a hard watch. Didn't think there was much atmosphere. Didn't like the didn't like presentation from the broadcast. I just thought it was a little bit lacklustre. And the problem is it's hard to it's hard to get into the flow of it because LPGA is not on TV, so it's a bit of a it just bang, there's a major. And it didn't appear to have that major feel. Is that something tangible or something intangible? What do you think? A little bit of both. I think majors tend to just feel like majors now because you know they're coming. You've got that sense of anticipation. I'm not sure even at its best if the Craft Nabisco or a Inspiration, now the Chevron, had that. But it felt to me like it was getting there because it was right next door to the Masters. How many times did we write back in the day about the first major of the season, the Masters, and we'd get pounded you, on? Uh, no, it's not. I think you'll find it's actually the second major. It's the first men's. And quite rightly, because... People were trying to give the Chevron its identity, its place, and they were trying to talk it up. There was real, again, I use the word, momentum behind it. I felt like it lost a little bit of that this year, and it'll take some time to get it back. Of course, course looks all right. Nothing special, but was the the previous venue that much better? It's it going to take a while to get it back to where it was and then to yeah. kick on. Then your unpopular opinion when it comes to top level ladies golf, it needs star quality it needs star quality names and it really only had one at the top. Nelly, yeah. Yeah, and it, LPGA needs more than that. Oh, Taya Titico as well finishing in a tie for fourth, but I, I know what you mean. I'm excited by Megan Kang, who's there in a tie for ninth. She looks like a, a great player, but as we'll get on to, a couple of the star names missed the cut, which doesn't yeah, help. Absolutely. I think ladies golf is crying out right now at the pro level for Rose Zhang to turn professional and really take it all by the but stuff of the neck. We've got the history with that though, don't we? We do. Female, young female protégés. Oh, she's, things, are, are she they, is different. But they were all different. Oh, not this one. They've all got great records and she she is an unbelievable star. And if you speak to people at Callaway, they will say the same thing. She's a massive star. But we have been here before. The other thing on the point of Rose Zhang, which kind of went against the Chevron a little bit this year. She skipped it. Yeah, she To go and play it. in a college event. Yeah, I think that shows a bit of maturity. A bit of maturity, but also doesn't say much about how she views major championships. That's it in a nutshell. I can't imagine, well, Sam Bennett didn't skip the Masters, can you ma- Yeah, can you imagine a 16-year-old boy skipping the Open Championship to go and play in a DP World event or a, even a... a NCAA. A, you know, a, a top UK amateur event. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. There's a question that we got in on social media over the weekend. This one from Sean Drummond. Do five majors, as there are, work on the LPGA? And another question, should the men's tour add a fifth international major to plug the huge gap between the Open and the Masters? Let's split them up. First of all, do five majors work on the LPGA, Bryce? Well, at the moment you would say no, because I thought that event was lacklustre and there wasn't... (laughs) There wasn't a lot of coverage for it on social. It didn't get it didn't get anywhere remotely near the interest of the Masters. And that's not a dig. It's just a fact. And I'm not talking about media before you pile in. So no, it, it, it's, there are too many. And this has been a conversation for a long time when it comes to ladies' golf, that there's too many top-tier events because then they've got their, their end-of-season event in the LPGA. So... Uh, yeah, I think there's probably too many. I think adding the Evian those years ago was a mistake. I get why they did it, but you're suddenly taking an event that wasn't on the same pedestal as 
Kaffner the best goal slash at A&A and as growing the US it. Women's Open as the Women's PGA as the Women's Open and saying it's now an equal yeah like oh, wait a minute well not. that that's that's effectively what the the question's asking do we want to add a fifth major to men's golf and no because every two years you, you'll have an issue with the Ryder Cup and Sawheim Cup and they were just running out of space as we keep saying I've just said there's too much golf stop adding more golf too much golf. Who's Sean? Was it Sean? Sean Drummond. Sean, come on. Adding golf, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Making something. Making something bigger, Which? such as the Australian Open. We saw it the weekend. Bear with me. I know I you're, even, you're. I didn't even see anything. You're desperate. I can I see. I saw the anything. eyes roll. I saw the you look saw to nothing. the ground that just went off. Oh, you saw <laughs> nothing. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But. Devil's Advocate, Bryce, Australian Open. We've just seen it the weekend. No! Hang on! <laughs> We've just seen how starved Australians are for top-level golf. We've seen how much they buy into it when they get it. The Australian Open, one of the oldest, most prestigious national opens in the game. It definitely it is one of the oldest. in December. But elevate it. You talk uh, about I'm elevating not, events, elevate that to major status. Yeah, but it's like, the, it's like a bunch of suits sitting around and saying, right, which one can we make bigger? Dang. Tick, Australia, that'll do. I, I don't think it works like that. The, the player, imagine the players' championship. PG Tour was sitting there going, "Wait a minute, uh, what about us?" Don't ban Dustin Johnson then, yeah. or Cam Smith. True. I think there's an easy fix to all this. Say easy. PG of America might disagree. The PGA is an international concept. You have PGAs all around the world. Take that one and move it. Even <laughs> on a rotation every three years, take it out of America. PG of America will say, not a chance, and I get it, and I hear them, fine. But, with enough pressure, you could move the PG and play it down under, you could play it in South Africa, you could then have three years in the States. I don't think the PG of America will want to mess with what they've got. Of course they won't, but... But you want to. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the question, Sean. Appreciate <laughs> that, it. Sean. Can I just say, Angel Yin, by the way, lovely to see her back on form. I remember her from the Solheim Cup in Iowa in 2017. She is an absolute character. So funny, so much personality and a game to back it up. Not been the easiest couple of years for her, but good to see her back on form. Podder of merit, sticking with the Chevron Championship. As I said, Bryce, a couple of big names missed the cut and they made us look bloody stupid in the process. Last week, you picked Lydia Ko. Uh, by the way, I have no idea what happened there. She started off pretty well, and then she where did, did that miscut uh, come uh, from? She did start actually quite well, and I thought, oh, here we go, because she was only one or two off the lead and then fell apart. But I'm led to believe she's got a bit more of a relaxed approach to her game, which uh, would talk up at one point, and then you can talk down. She's split with her team. She's made big changes behind the scenes. Sean Foley went last year. Again. Yeah. So uh, God knows how many caddies she's had, about 14, something like that, but... <laughs> There's also rumours that she's maybe, and this is the thing about ladies golf, is that y you, you get hot when you're young, and then when you hit 25, 26, you just sort of fritter away. Just got married as well not that yeah. long ago, which yeah. is and there's talk not of, for nothing. Yeah, there's talk of... Um, External she, influences? Well, no, she she might, it might be her decision, but she might... What she would see it as retiring at the top, maybe in four years. She five did years, talk like a that. couple of years yeah. ago about quitting at twenty eight, and she is not far off that right now. What is she? Twenty six. I would hate to think that Lydia Coe is going to leave at twenty eight. It would, would plenty would, of great absolutely. Would, would, plenty of great female players have done it. Not would not be a surprise. 
What is a surprise is missing the cut at the Chevron. That's her 11th start and the first time she's not made it to the weekend. Debut there in 13, tied 25th, low amateur. Three years later, wins the event. 2020, she was 6th. 2021, she was 2nd. Last year, tied 25th, missed cut. She's from, had some, from nowhere. She's had some decent decent form recently as well. Mm-hmm. But, but I don't think she's played particularly well, but she's had some good results. and So... Disappointing for you, but doesn't matter. I picked Lexi Thompson, another former winner of the event, and she too missed the cut. What did we know, eh? That wasn't so great. So as it stands, as it continues to stand, Bryce for Michael Six. Should add at this point that we've got a new official for the Podder of Merit. Someone has taken it upon themselves to become the the Willie column, that's a bit of a local reference, uh, the Howard Webb, the Pierluigi Colina. Or in your case, the game. Nick Walsh. Ooh, oh, painful. The John Anderson. Do you remember Gladiators? UK audience no, here, I never, but never watched Gladiators, that. oh, back in the day on ITV. You must have watched it. I didn't actually bother watching that. I had a life. I was out playing my Lego and stuff like that. <laughs> Jet and Wolf and Cobra and all those guys now. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway, John Anderson was the official. We have our own... John Anderson, contenders ready in the form of Steve Morgan at Steve Moggs72. He's going to have to change that Twitter handle. Yeah, it gonna... should be Steve the Ref. Should be Steve the Ref. So welcome aboard, Steve the Ref, who was keeping us right last week because you and I made a couple of boo boos. That's right, we got You our... picked Nikolai Hoygaard twice. I picked Ricky Fowler <laughs> twice. twice. We're breaking our own rules. Fortunately, Steve the Ref is here to keep us on the He's even created now. his own little sheet. It's Podder yeah. of Merit sheet. So, it's written down all of our picks and the scores as they stand. Yeah, and just so people know that Steve's not getting paid for this. No, he's not getting paid. Absolutely not. He's just getting the honour of a shout out in the podcast. But that is where the fame ends. Yeah. He's not getting any money. He's an unofficial member of staff and he's not getting an invite to the Christmas night out. Why would he get an invite to the Christmas night out? I don't know. I don't know. He's not paid. He's like an intern. It's like a full time, non paid intern. With, with respect, Steve, cover your ears here, but. This guy's spending his spare time by calculating how we're getting on in a game that means absolutely hee-haw. Doesn't scream party animals. Yeah, he's also, he's also proving how we're poor at our jobs. I know, I know. So thank you, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. So this week, guys... I will, I will give him something. I know Callaway are going to give him something just because he's because they're good people. So You can't say that now. Everyone's going to be piling in no, like, no. Well, no, I, I, I sent you a question. And I no, you're not getting, honesty a, not getting anything for a question. No. But, Steve's actually pointing out what we're doing wrong, and he's correct, and he deserves our respect. Well, if we're giving away stuff, we're pointing out what we're doing wrong, Chris. There's going to be a lot of freebies. I know. I say he deserves our respect. I'm not sure he's getting it, but (laughs) he's got to take what he can get. So this week, Bryce, another strange week for golf, because I feel like we're needing... Dreadful to say, but I feel like we need a designated event to get some of the top names playing again. Yeah, they, we're now entering rubbish event season. <laughs> <laughs> if this was if this was the best sandwich you've ever had, this week feels like lettuce. Uh-huh. This is second round of the Carling Cup. With no, oh jeez, no one's oh. interested. With no disrespect to the Korea Championship, with no disrespect to Live Singapore, etc. We're going to go to the Mexico Open on the PGA Tour. At Vedanta, I say that I'm, I'm I'm taking the piss slightly, but there's seven point seven million dollars to be won this week. It's so. absolutely ridiculous. Seven million. Oh my goodness! I tried to qualify for it last week and failed. <laughs> today, Monday qualifiers. Today, I'm on. <laughs> Bollocks. Bryce, 
Listen, Steve will correct me, I'm sure, but I think it's your honour, so batter on who you pick. <laughs> That's a good point. Your first job, Steve. Is it my honour? I think it is my honour. I'll let you have it. I'll um, defer. Oh, I'm t- very, very tempted to pick Matt Wallace. Oh, good shout. Because he's had, obviously... A win. Yeah, a good couple of weeks. But I'm going to go with Maverick McNeely. Why? Because he's formerly injured. He's not played for a bit. He was injured, did a shoulder injury, but beware the injured golfer. And he did have some good form before the injury. And I'll be honest, I'm not picking Ram. So world number one reigning Masters champion, recent Masters champion, John Ram's player. We gather that's because he's the defending champion. Defending champion. So he's behind the scenes. That'd be three weeks in a row. Behind the scenes, I think he's thinking, actually, before weeks in a row for him, I'm thinking he must be knackered. He'll be be on the Kibatas. That weekend, so I think uh, Maverick McNeely, one of the few players inside the world's top 100 taking yeah. part this week, 82nd currently. He is 73rd on the FedEx Cup rank. Like that means anything. Oh, but, all right, Greg Norman. <laughs> oh, it doesn't mean anything anymore, does it? <laughs> Tony Finau's in the field as well. World number 16. Are you set on McNeely? Yeah, um, Maverick McNeely. Yeah, see, I'm a little bit torn. You're going to go Matt Wallace, aren't you? No, I'm not. I'm not, although I did consider him. Of course you did. I... The reason I'm not going to pick Matt Wallace is because he's going to come over and play DP World Tour events later in the year, and I suspect I'm going to want him for maybe a British Masters or something like that. I I must be honest, I'm, I'm looking at the field and it is pretty hard to pick somebody, but I mentioned the lack of players inside the world's top 100. And I'm going to pick one of the few. I am going to go with world number 79, Gary Woodland. Yeah. Shown again a little bit of form. Obviously, Brooks Kepka's not there to help him out this week, so that's going to go against him somewhat. Mm-hmm. Okay. You letting that go? <laughs> yeah. You didn't get it, did you? Oh, well, to be honest, I wasn't listening. Briggs Kepka there to help him out this week. He's not got that. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. I want, to, be, to be fair, it wasn't that good. Decent, I thought. There's a lot of people sitting in the cars right now chuckling, going, <laughs> Bryce just doesn't have a sense of humor. <laughs> so, yes. Bryce wasn't listening. It's Maverick McNeely. <laughs> good to know. <laughs> Maverick McNeely versus Gary Woodland at the Mexico Open this week. Honesty box to finish up, Bryce. This is your question. You've made a contribution to the pod for Thank a change. You. Well done. Thank you. Go for it. Let's hear it. I can't remember what it was. Oh no! If you could pick, could pick one live golf player mm-hmm. to return to the PGA Tour, no questions asked. Just forget it ever happened. Just forget it ever happened. Who would it be? There is an obvious answer. Is there? Is there, Michael? There is. Which is to make things competitive, and because of his record, you would pick Dustin Johnson. But no, right? Okay, that's interesting. I'm, I'm going to say no to Dustin because I think his best days are gone. Anyway, he's approaching forty. You know, <laughs> Jesus, that's, what is that like? He's retiring. I he's know, approaching forty. I know, forty, I, I, I know you me. take that personally. You know, same age as you. Same age as me. No, I, I said he's six years younger than me. All oh, right, yeah, Try and exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that I think we've seen. I think we've seen the best that Dustin Johnson has to offer. So why bring him back to the PGA? Like he cares anyway. Exactly. Instead, I'm going to go for someone who would make things a bit more interesting. 
And there's only really one contender there. 32 years old, major champion, Mr. Controversy, Patrick Reed. Oh, that is... That wins, doesn't it? Well, no, because you you have to forget everything. Yeah, forget that he went to live. Yeah, you're not going to do that, though. But see all the stuff that went on before he joined live, you know, in the Bahamas with the sand and... <laughs> the gardening. Yes, yes. Sorry, Pines, <laughs> with the, the drop and yeah. everything else that went before it. So that's, all the a good, sh- nonsense. that's actually a good shout. Thanks. I forgot all about period. Mm-hmm. And I'm a period fan. And besides, if you bring him back to the tour, you also bring at uh, used golf. Uh, sorry, uh, Justine and the family. Back. Yeah. So that would well, be well. Some fun. of the family. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my god! Oh shit! Yes. Sorry about that. Patrick. Oh, Larry Clayman is drafting oh, a letter to you right shit. now. Shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is that is brilliant. That was cold. Um, <laughs> who am I bringing back? I tell you what. It, it, if he's in form, Mickelson. What? If he's in form, just for a laugh. Sorry, I didn't realise there were caveats attached to this question. Just for a laugh. But he's not, and he's he's at it. He said he's not in form. He just finished runner-up at the Masters. I know, that's, that's a total fluke. No, in all seriousness, I think I would... I thought Cam Smith is the most bizarre decision ever to join Live Golf. I was just absolutely blown away by that. Stunned. You think, look what you could do. Look what you could achieve. So I think I would. It's a it's a fight between Cam Smith and Brooks Kepka because I thought they were two guys at their peak. But then when you watch the Netflix series Full Swing, you realise what goes on behind the scenes with players, and you just don't know what's in their head. And he looked as always just had enough and thrown the towel Kepka. in. And thought, yeah, I'm off to go. Scunnered to yeah. use a great Scottish term. Scunnered. So yeah, I would probably pick Cam Smith. Yeah. Understand Mickelson. Interesting. Off the back of his runner-up finish at Augusta, he was 16th in Adelaide, 12 under par. I'm looking at some of the other names there. Would you? Would you not bring back Kevin now? <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest. Every time I watch coverage of the PGA Tour these days, I'm missing somebody walk in putts. Yeah, you miss. Having take half an hour to get them. Yeah. Charles Howell the third, Chucky three sticks. Nice guy. He's genuinely a very nice guy, but you've got to understand why he went. Whacking Neiman. All of his best years in front of him. Hell of a talent. Multiple winner. Rich. (laughs) What about Bryson? For a guy that we spoke about non-stop for the first 12 months of this pod, I don't think we've really spoken about him that much since. No, I think he's off his head. I thought Bryson's away. That's the thing about Liv. All their players have not Really, like not all of them. But Bryson just uh, absolutely head scratching, but I, I think he is genuinely moving towards a different, a different part of his life now. I mm-hmm. think he is actually he's one player's actually looking back in the PGA Tour and thought I've been there and I've done that. I don't want to do that again because see him entertaining the crowd and the range late in the night and hitting. You know, all that. Just, I think that's what he's into. I think he's going down the he's celebrity. A golf personality. Yeah, golf personality, YouTuber, trying to build that side of his business. Fair play to him. Yeah, if that's what makes you happy. The question was, who would you take back? And I'm not changing my answer because Reed is the one. Reed would win events. Reed would win events. He'd be competitive. That's he? it. He, he, you can slate him all you want. That guy is a hell of a player. But somebody I would like to see 
would have liked to have seen play there is Eugenio Chikara. That boy was, what, the world number two amateur? Clearly mm. a phenomenal talent. He has won on level already. People say, oh, it's just against 47 others. Yeah, but he's still good. They're still pretty good. Others. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're, they're still good golfers. So I would have loved to have seen Chikara. It feels like that, Sam. Mm. Of course, they're good golfers. You wouldn't have written them off for the Masters. <laughs> See what I did there? That's just, that was a wee joke. There's a wee backpedal. There's a wee bit of humble pie. So are we agreed then? Reed, am I right? Yeah, I think you win that one. I think we'll take Reed. Thanks very much. It's now Bryce for Michael Seven. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's really Steve the ref right now is tweeting. That's no wrong. Chance. Anyway, that is it from us for this week. Thank you very much indeed for tuning in. Thank you to Dr. Malin, Bill Malin, for his time earlier. Some really great insights into Tiger Woods. Thank you to Callaway for their continued support. And Bryce, Richie, thank you to you. Because without you, I'm just a guy talking to himself in a cupboard. AKA Steve there. Sorry, I, I'm, I'm not going to abuse you anymore, Steve. Thank you very much for showing an interest and in getting involved with us. We really do appreciate it. But most of the point, thank you very much to you for listening. We'll be back this time next week. Bryce, any final words? No. Excellent. See you then. Bye bye for now. <laughs>